7 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and Cake in for the Buckeye Boy today. Thanks for starting your Tuesday with us. You can text or call us. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. So, you know, the national championship game last night. Michigan, and they got out to a big lead. Then it got tight. And then they just pull away in the second half. 303 yards on the ground. And part of the matchup was, could the Washington defense slow down Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and that explosive Wolverines running attack? And the answer ultimately was no. Nope. And the defense put the handcuffs on Michael Penix Jr. He had probably his worst game of his college career. Some of the worst, worst game he had this season. Yeah, that's an easy thing to say with a couple of picks last night. And, and it came down to the two of the big fundamentals in football. Running the football, dominating the ground game, time of possession, those kind of things, and incredibly salty defense. So I, I guess the question I have today is that Michigan's a national champion. How do you feel about that, considering <laughs> what happened with Connor Stallions? By the way, have we even Jim Harbaugh like he was a political prisoner or he was dead? Have we ever actually seen Connor Stallions? Like, do we know what he looks like? Yeah, yeah, he was at the Rose Bowl. There was a former Michigan Wolverine player that, hey, there's Connor Stallions. Well, I I know the story, but like. Yes, we've actually seen, I've actually seen pictures of him. Okay. Well. Yeah, he's he's a real living, breathing entity. Huh. He's not a work of fiction. I mean, do we know if he was there last night or not? <laughs> I would say probably he was. He was probably there. I don't. I don't know that for certain. Oh, here we go. From uh, USA Today, former Michigan staffer Connor Stallions breaks silence after Wolverines win national title. And from the looks of it, it's just a gif of an old man in the stands at what looks to be like a golf event pumping his fist. (laughs) If that's what breaking your silence is these days, okay. Good. Wonderful. I I just, while... I respect the way Michigan plays the game in terms of how they play between the lines. Mm-hmm. Physical defense. Ground and pound. You know, the, you know the, the the running backs were fantastic. Blake Corum last night was named the offensive player of the game. Kind of like plucky J.J. McCarthy. You did not have a great game last night, but they had a terrible game. But they, they ran the ball so effectively that he didn't need to be great in the passing game. But it's how they handled everything this year. It was the... Try said treating Jim Harbaugh like he was either dead or a political prisoner. Like some sort of martyr. He was a, he was a martyr. He was St. Jim. St. <laughs> Jim of the khakis. I, you know, I, I, it got so tiring after a while. They're so persecuted. Everybody else does it too. 
All right, may, maybe once again, it's it's was the actual crime like Deflategate? Was the actual crime a terrible thing? Worse things have been done in terms of trying to get a competitive advantage. Yeah. Other programs, yes, probably did exactly what Michigan did, but it was the way they went about it. It's the way Jim Harbaugh goes about stuff. Who I used to have a tremendous amount of respect for Jim Harbaugh. I'll be honest, I wanted him to be the Broncos head coach yeah. this year. Comparatively and, and, to the and others. It's not like I, I don't, the guy that normally sits in the chair you're sitting in, you know, has, has a burning hatred for him. I don't hate Harbaugh. I'm just tired of the shtick. I'm just tired of it. He rubs people the wrong way, and he... It, 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 you're right. It's shtick, and it's, it is a little tiresome. And him being treated by his team for, you know, like you said, this sort of martyrdom, that didn't help. If anything, it only amplified the shtick. Because now his offensive coordinator is involved in it and his players too. And it's just, it's one of those things where you like, you want to celebrate the success because it's not just Jim they're, Harbaugh. They're a really good football team. They're a really good football team. And there's a lot of players that you kind of have to respect for that team. And it's, you know, it's everybody. It, everybody at that institution is going to be happy for Michigan to have won the national championship. But it almost always goes back to who's in charge. And the person that's in charge is a guy that is very hot and cold. He, you either, you're either kind of, you either love Jim Harbaugh or you're like, eh, I could do without him. Or you're like Rio and you absolutely hate him. And... I guess at the end of the day, number one, they're the national champs. They, they, they played. They went. They ran the table and went fifteen and zero. That ain't nothing. That's it's not. That's something huge. And to 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 win they the way they did last night against a really good Washington team and against a red hot quarterback and Michael Penix Jr. I mean, it says a lot. But it's just. It was like you watched it last night, and you and you just kind of knew. Like as I the game went on, like they're control they're controlling this game up front. Their the run game is controlling this game. Yeah, and then you know, and, and that was you know in the first half they got up by a couple scores, and then Washington was able to to cut into that lead. Penix throws the touchdown pass, and you feel like okay, they're. I still feel like Michigan's going to win this game. But this could be a fun little second half. And then, then it wasn't a fun little second half as mm, yeah. like Corum scores two fourth quarter touchdowns and go out and just kind of take care of business. I guess for those that are Michigan fans, I'm happy for you. That sounded real am, convincing right there. Ha- I am. I'm happy for you. But there has to be part of this narrative, the way it's played out, that you can't, and I'm not going to say it's tainted or it has an asterisk because it, it doesn't. It doesn't. They still had to go out and play the games, execute to win. You still have to go do that. This is uh, the impressive stat they have up on the uh, on the four-letter right now. Last three seasons under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan has a record of 40-3, and three, three Big Ten championships, three college football playoff appearances, and the national title. That's a pretty good stretch. 
for a guy at one point, sounded like they're going to run him out of Ann Arbor. As much as they loved him as a player there, I mean, there was a point where the expectations were not being met by Jim Harbaugh. And so the, the narrative has turned over the course of time. Because there was a stretch where, where Jim Harbaugh was like, I can't beat Ohio State. And yeah. now he's gone, what, two, three years in a row yeah. that he's beat Ohio State? Yeah. And so I guess just when, when, you, when, you, when you watch the game last night, because to me, as I watched them going, Michigan's going to win this. I even, even when they got it, when Washington cut into the lead, I didn't feel like all of a sudden, because they had to really, really grind for it. There were not the big explosive plays we're used to seeing from that, that wide receiver core, Madun- from Madunzi and, and, and from Michael Penix Jr. You just weren't seeing it. You weren't they had seeing to, they it. Had, yeah. They had to grind to get what they got last night. And they couldn't stop Michigan's ground game. He's like, they, they couldn't stop it. They were not going to stop them last night. And so you just felt like, okay, the, the inevitable is, as much as I would love to have seen Washington win, I picked Michigan because I thought they were they had the better, they had the, the great, the elite defense, the phenomenal running game, and those are the things that were going to carry them through, which is exactly what won the game for them last night. They didn't need J.J. McCarthy to be brilliant. You know, he, it, was, it was light lifting last night for, for McCarthy, and that's okay. Because they were so strong in the other areas, they didn't need brilliant quarterback play. Washington needed brilliant quarterback play again. All their success is predicated on what Michael Penix Jr. could do with that group of receivers. And and give give Michigan their kudos. They took that away last night. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be the visual of Connor Stallions dressed up as a Central Michigan staffer on the sidelines. Just the the stuff that, that went on with that. All the goofiness. And I'll, I'll, I guess I'll give Michigan credit for this. They were defiant the entire time. They leaned They leaned into it. You kind of almost they, have to at that they, point. They wrapped their arms around it and, and hugged the us-against-the-world mentality. Though their own behavior was what was creating the us-against-the-world mentality. By doing something that that wasn't really cool and appropriate and the no. right thing to do. No, it wasn't. Which, but once again, to be fair, to be fair, others have done that too. All right, who do we have on the uh, the team line this morning? Probably calling to gloat, Michigan Mike. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, Mike's not a gloater guy. Mike, you're not a gloater guy. You're <laughs> you're, a practi- you're a practical <laughs> man, sir. You're not Good morning, a especially with Buckeye Boy that's not there today. Yeah, I know. I know you're disappointed he's not here because he'd be ah, oh, he'd, he'd probably he'd probably turn off his mic, leave the studio, go down the hallway, take a little time out while you talked because he probably could not handle. I think that's why. That's why he took today off. He could not because he knew it was going to happen. He knew Michigan was going to win, and so he didn't want to be here for it. Now he had a, he had a vacation day already planned. So, uh, but, congratu- but congratulations, but I. I guess, Mike, yeah. you're a rational human being. Mm-hmm. You, have to, so. you, have, you have to love the way you, you love the way your team plays, the run game, the Absolutely. defense, and everything. But what yeah. about the Connor Stallion stuff and and, and treating Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. like he's a political prisoner or okay. or or a saint? I, I just did that stuff not on you as a Michigan fan wear thin after a while. It it does. I mean, that's that's a part of accepting Jim Harbaugh no matter where he goes. 
you're going to accept his antics uh, where, wherever he ends yeah. up. So, like with Broncos fans, if you were going to accept him as your head coach, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me, what happened, what I didn't like is giving him time off. Because when you give him time off and give him a microphone, things get weird, okay? I mean, talking about seeing his mother in a bathing suit or something, mother-in-law in a bathing like, dude, just, just don't put microphones in front of Jim Harbaugh. We're happy if you don't do that. We're good. Um, for me personally, I think if, you, if the NCAA and if anyone can prove that there was cheating going on, then I as a fan will accept the punishment, whatever the NCAA comes down. But if you can prove to me that that was decisive in them leading to a national championship, then I'm inclined to believe, yeah, okay, put an asterisk on this thing. This team won because it was a good team. I agree. This team won because it was a talented team. And this team won, yes, because Harbaugh might have prepared them, but he was gone for six of those games this season. It shows how good they are. Exactly. My shame is that because of the Harbaugh circuit that surrounds him, and that was, for me, even I got my eyes rolling when it was the martyrdom of John Ar- Jim Harbaugh. Sorry, Jim, not John. Jim, um, that's going to come up later if the Baltimore Ravens get bounced from the playoffs. Uh, but anyway, Jim Harbaugh is, uh, for me, that, that martyrdom, even I started rolling my eyes. I said, okay, guys. Come on, guys. Look, if you, if you cheated you cheated. There's no martyrdom for sitting out and feeling as if you're persecuted if you cheated, okay? Sorry. It's like the criminal saying, man, the system's out to get me. It's like, no, the system's there to police the system. You (laughs) broke the system. You accept the punishment, whatever that might be. You can't claim victimhood or martyrdom because of that. And so for me, that got a little old. It got a little stale after True. even just the first day. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and for me, but if, if no, if the investigation comes back and says, any investigation says, there's no cheating significantly, or, hey, you know, slap on the wrist, okay, fine. But for me, a national champ, and if that's okay, that's okay. If they come back and say, yes, you cheated, let's vacate the national championship. Okay, fine. Accepting the punishment. But if they come back and say, hey, it didn't make a decisive advantage, you get to keep your national championship, that is still a national championship in the banner. And I'll walk around in maize and blue still proud of it. Because those boys last night played an old-school type of football, which is we're going to run it down your throat, and we're going to beat you on the ground. How often do you see that nowadays? You don't. You really don't. You don't. It, it was it was classic old-school football 101. And... I, I just it's I want I'm going to compare it a little bit to the Astros situation where yes that's the, Astros, a good analogy. the Astros didn't need to steal signs because look who they had <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean they Carlos Correa Jose Altuve I mean they they were they were an incredible lineup they didn't need to do that and kind of the same mm-hmm. deal with Michigan they're they're so good they didn't need to do that. If that's indeed, you know, because like I said, we're still parsing through some of this. We know what Connor Stallions, at least get a sense of what what his role was. But I just, yeah, I, Mike, it's, um, to me, the the Astros stuff, that's that's ridiculous and all that. There's, I don't think there's enough there 
to to do that to Michigan. They were they're cur- whether they you know stole signs whatever. They were a good football team. That's a great football team, and it's a team that that deserved to to win a national championship last night. So, hey, Mike, I always appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much, Thank and you. and uh, keep up the good work out there in Gettysburg. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. All right. All right, take care. All right, Mike, Michigan, Mike from Gettysburg today. Uh, what he's referring to is at a press conference. Harbaugh talking about the team still being in one piece despite the sign stealing investigation and firing of their linebacker coach during <laughs> the season. Locker rooms, a lot like my mom's bathing suits. I like to see them in one piece. That was the Harbaugh analogy. Uh, sorry, I just, I just uh, threw up a little bit out. I can't Swan. say there was ever a time I signed my mom in a bathing suit. So I'll put it that way. Apparently, Jim Harbaugh saw his mom in a bathing suit on, okay. more, than one, on more than one occasion. Good, good all right, for him. Uh, all right, so... Uh, Avalanche with a huge win last night in the shootout, uh, taking down Boston. We'll get to that in a moment in what's happening. Uh, also, uh, Montrose girls basketball coach Steve Skiff coming up in a few minutes. I've uh, got some reaction last night. Avs, like I said, the big win against the Bruins, uh, the national championship game. Call or text us on the team line, 970-242-1340. What's happening? And it's brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. One call, one team, one goal, helping your business grow. They can help you with cybersecurity, network support, backup, and disaster recovery. If you're having a problem with your uh, your business maybe being burglarized or you're, you're concerned about people being around your business that you don't think should be there, they can help you by installing surveillance cameras, also a new business phone system. Call them today at ComWest, 970-242-8142, or go to ComWestCorp.com. All right, lead things off with, in a season filled with controversy, the number one Michigan Wolverines captured college football's national championship Monday with a 34-13 win over Washington and Houston. After suspensions for Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh for allegations of sign-stealing, the Wolverines' run game dominated the Huskies' defense and rushing for 303 yards. Running back Blake Corum ran for 134 and two fourth-quarter touchdowns. Named the offensive player of the game, the Wolverines' defense picked off Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. twice as the Wolverines finished 15-0 and the Huskies 14-1. Valori Nichushkin, so can you grab me some music here, by the way? Yes, give me one <laughs> second, and here we go. Valori Nichushkin's red-eye goal scoring continued Monday night in the Avalanche's 4-3 home shootout win over Boston. Nichushkin scored the shootout game winner with Miko Randon, Logan O'Connor, and AHL call-up Sam Malinsky, all scoring goals in regulation. Cutter coach Jared Bednar liked the way the Avs bounced back after an 8-4 loss to Florida on Saturday. Power play generated some great chances. Obviously, they... <laughs> Uh, their goalie made some big saves, as did ours. I thought that game had a little bit of everything. That's how, the, and that's probably like start to finish. That's pro- probably one of our most complete games of the year. Alexander Georgiev coming up with a strong game last night for the Avalanche. He was able to uh, turn back 23 shots in the win as the Avs and Bruins are tied for the second most points in the NHL. The Broncos cleaned out their lockers on Monday as they head into the offseason. Denver finishes the season 8-9 after falling at the Las Vegas Raiders Sunday. Denver missed the playoffs after losing three games by a combined six points. Cornerback Patrick Sertan II says the Broncos have to get better at closing out teams. 
I think it's very key, um, obviously, in this league to finish games at a high level because um, a lot of games going to be close. But I feel like, you know, through parts of the year, there's games that's really close that we should have finished out. And, you know, I think that's the main standpoint to go into next year. All right. So the Broncos head into the offseason with a lot of questions. Among them, of course, what's going to happen with Russell Wilson? Pretty much a foregone conclusion. He will not be back in the Broncos in 2024. So, uh, of course, the last uh, day or so, yesterday was Black Monday. Arthur Smith, coach of the Atlanta Falcons, got fired. Also, uh, Ron Rivera, Washington uh, uh, commander's coach, was also fired as well. And you, have, and you have, of course, Carolina Panthers after Frank Reich got fired during the season that uh, they'll be looking for a new coach as well. Cutter Mason women's and uh, men's basketball picked up a couple of Player of the Week awards for the uh, CMU women. Freshman Mason Roland earned her first career RMAC Offensive Player of the Week honor. She scored a career-high 30 points against CSU Pueblo on Friday, then shot 62% from the floor of the weekend. On the men's side, Owen Kuntz earned the RMAC Offensive Player of the Week award in the last four games. Kuntz has averaged 19 points per game while shooting an average of 52%. He recorded his second career double-double against Highland Saturday with 15 points and 10 rebounds. CMU heads to Shadron, Nebraska, Friday and Cutterbrook Christian Saturday. Friday's games can be heard right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. Saturday's games will be over on 1100 KNZZ. Montrose Redhawks boys basketball team takes their 9-0 record to Central High School tonight. Redhawks defense has been the key to their early success, holding opponents to an average of 36.5 points per game. Head coach Ryan Boringer says they'll need to play good defense across the board in the Southwestern League. Coming into my 10th year, and I think this might be the best I've seen in the league. John's team shoots the ball really well, very well coached. Yeah, it's it kind of my philosophy is we got to take care of our home court and then try to steal one or two on the road because it's, it's, it's not going to be easy in the league for sure. 5-5 five and five Central boys host 9-0 Montrose tonight. Central girls basketball team also opens up league play when they take on the Red Hawks. Central's tough non-league schedule doesn't get any easier with Montrose bringing three players in that average double-digit points. Central head coach Mary Doan says her team needs to continue to learn and develop against tough teams like Montrose. I think we have a good team. These girls can play at a high level. We, we just got to take it one game at a time, and we got to keep getting better and not forget the lessons we learned in previous games and keep growing. You know, we do have some inexperience on the team, but I think we're getting there. Have a better product on Tuesday, and that's all you can do. Coverage of the Warriors and Red Ox starts tonight at 5 o'clock. Girls tip it at 5.30. The boys will follow tonight on the Team Sports Network High School Basketball presented by Ken Richard State Farm. And that's... What's happening? Brought to you by ComWest, your technology service partner. If you need IT help for your business today, call ComWest, 970-242-8142 or go to comwestcorp.com. All right, Steve Skiff, Montrose girls basketball coach, joins us next on the Jim Davis Show. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Montrose girls basketball with Coach Steve Skiff on the team. And Montrose Red Ox girls basketball coach Steve Skiff brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Steve Skiff joins us on the team line. Good morning, Steve. Hope you had a wonderful holiday, Christmas, and New Year. Thanks for coming on this morning. Yeah, good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Uh, so your basketball team uh, coming off the holiday break, uh, getting back on the floor knocking some of the rust off a little bit, uh, how the Red Hawks looked, and, and getting your uh, your game legs back under you as you get ready to open up league play against uh, the Central Warriors tonight. Yeah, we are, and we're excited about it. Um, I think we're more excited about just not having to play against each other. You know, it's been, uh, it's been good to have some practices, but we're ready to uh, 
to play another opponent and kind of get back in that game mode a little bit. Off to a 7-2 and two start, your team's playing really well. What were some things coming off the break that you, you saw during that 7-2 that, that and two stretch to start the season, Steve, that you really wanted to kind of work on as you get ready to open up league play? I think for us, it's uh, maybe a little bit some things offensively, just getting, you know, playing together a little bit more. Um, offensively, shooting the ball a little bit more with confidence and, and stuff like that. Our defense has been really solid, really happy with our defense um, so far this season. And I think for us, coming out of the break, it was more, hey, let's get back to what we're doing. Let's play with a little bit more confidence. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a tough stretch now. It's kind of five weeks to the, to the end of the season, and it's going to be go, go, go from here. Steve Skiff, coach of the Montrose girls basketball team with us on the team. Macy Oberg, uh, your sophomore, having an incredible season, averaging almost 15 points per game and, and eight rebounds. And uh, also Maggie Legg, uh, another one of those sensational sophomores that uh, got a lot of playing time like Macy did last year as freshman. She's at, at 10 points per game. Uh, those two have, uh, have just improved. I know we've talked a little bit about uh, their development, Steve, but uh, pretty blessed to have a, a couple of players like that, only sophomores, that have turned into a couple of the better players in the league. Absolutely. And they're, you know, two great players on and off the, off the floor and they're good leaders for us. And uh, just been really excited with the growth, they, the jump they've made from, from their freshman year to their sophomore year. I think the, the year of experience as freshmen is huge. I mean, it's always a kind of a tough transition coming, coming from maybe middle school ball into high school ball, but they've done it a great job of it. And they've just really take both taken their game to the next level, which is, has definitely helped us. Well, you, you open up Southwestern League play with, uh, with Central Mary Doan and her team, uh, uncharacteristically 2-8 and eight right now, but they played a very difficult non-conference uh, schedule uh, leading into, of course, uh, this, this opener tonight with uh, your Red Hawks. They, they lack size this year. That's the one thing that Mary's maybe, that's been a, a kind of an issue for, for Central for quite some time. But uh, with Christina Manzanares and Brendan Wagner, they have a couple of really talented scorers. They don't have a lot of size but they do have a couple of really outstanding players in those two. Yeah, definitely. And that's what we've been telling. I've been telling my players all week is, you know, you can't look at the record. I mean, Central's a very good basketball team. They're an experienced team, especially with the two guards that you mentioned. I mean, they've played a lot of basketball games, a lot of big basketball games. And, and they're, you know, definitely playing at a high level this year. And Coach Stone does a great job of getting them ready. And I know they'll be ready tonight. And so – you know, we're going to have to go down focused and, and ready to go because they're we're going to definitely get their best shot. I imagine you've had a chance to watch them in person a little bit or at least uh, take a little bit of video. What's your what's your takeaway and what you, what you see from this current version of the Central Warriors? You know, they play extremely hard. Um, you know, they're going to play hard for 32 minutes. And, you know, Brandon and Christine are doing a good job of leading that team. Um, you know, they're obviously very good players. I mean, they, they, they have complete games that, that – you know, are, are hard to defend. I mean, they're going to shoot it from the outside, but they're also going to take it to the basket. You know, I think some of the other players are starting to, to find their roles, and they've really started to step up and, and play with some energy. So, yeah, you, you can't look at the record or anything like that. I mean, this is a team that, you know, Coach Stones is going to have them ready, and they're going to have a plan for us. And, and I think it's going to be a good basketball game. All Southwestern League games are, are tough games, and and uh, especially opening up on the road, coming out of break, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough challenge for us. Steve Skiff, coach of the Montrose girls basketball team, off to a 7-2 and two start, uh, joining us today on the Team Sports Network. And, you know, coming up here, you've got uh, you know, two back-to-back road games, be it, of course, shorter road trips with uh, down here to the Valley. You've got Palisade coming up on Friday night, too, Steve. And, 
And that's a, a Palisade team that's already exceeded their win total for all of last year. Don Baver has uh, has that Bulldogs team playing uh, some pretty good basketball right now. Yeah, he does. I've been really impressed with Coach Baver and his team. You know, how much improvement they've made, you know, over the year. And they are. They're doing an outstanding job. They're, we've gotten a chance to see them a couple of times, um, you know, before break. And, and just a, a well-coached team. But, you know, they, they have some players that are playing hard. And, and doing really good things. So, yeah, this stretch this week, you know, on the road for us. Um, still haven't played at home, so we're excited for that in about a week. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have a tough week for us this week. All right, of course, live coverage tonight on uh, the Team Sports Network. Uh, high school basketball brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm. You can hear uh, the, the Red Hawks games uh, tonight up in, uh, in, in Montrose at 102.1 FM. And then the 16th, that'll be our Highway 50 game of the week over on the Monkey Win. Uh, the Red Hawks host uh, the Glenwood Springs Demons, so uh, make sure you tune into both those games. Tyler will have the call tonight on both uh, uh, Montrose and Central games tonight out at uh, Central High School. Steve, I always appreciate the time. Uh, once again, uh, have a have a wonderful start to, to 2024. Sounds like your team is is playing some great basketball. I know you hope to continue that tonight at Central. I always appreciate the time. Yes, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Take care. Steve Skiff, coach of the Montrose girls basketball team with us on the program this morning. Something that I've been noticing is I'm getting ready for the game tonight, the, the balanced scoring attack that Montrose brings, you know, with, like, I think it's three players right now that are averaging double-digit points. Taking Rocco being the other along with uh, Leg and Oberg. So, you know, if, if you're a team that can generate scoring from three out of five positions, you've pretty much got most of the floor covered. That's really hard for defenses to stop. So that's going to be a challenge tonight for Central. We'll we'll see how they respond. And I think Mary Doan. I know that you know when we talked with her the other day. I think it was Friday. She, you know she expressed some frustrations about how she knows that her team can be good. They just got to kind of learn and continue to grow and develop. And these are the types of games going up against really tough teams like Montrose, where those are you're going to have some growth. You're you're going to have some uh, some learning opportunities for sure. Well, and, and once again, though, it's probably going to come down. The league's going to be Montrose and Fruit of Monument, the way things have kind of set up the, the this year. Yeah. And, you know, I think Mary Doan obviously hopes she feels like her team is capable of, of you know, they, they play, like I said, a very difficult non-league schedule to, to get maybe something going tonight with a win against Montrose. But uh, it'll be a, an interesting battle for the, the Southwestern League title on the girls' side. And as Ryan Voringer, the Montrose boys coach, mentioned, boys' side's going to be tough. Grand Junction. Playing really well for Dutch Johnson. Obviously, Fruit of Monument, number one team of the 6A RPI. They are undefeated on the season. Montrose is 9-0. Durango's playing some good basketball. Um, Central's 5-5 five five right now. They'll get that Montrose team tonight uh, right here on the team. So it should be another great season of Southwestern League basketball. Of course, our coverage starts at 5 o'clock tonight from Central High School. All right, 7.33, our college football insider, Wyatt Thompson, will join us in a couple of minutes. Time right now for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So ahead of the national championship last night, ESPN rolled out an intro video, as one does. Very cinematic. uh, And it contained an original piece of music from legendary film composer John Williams. It's called Of Grit and Glory, and this is a portion of that, a healthy portion of it, but a a portion nonetheless. 
24 for the biggest prize in college athletics. Heroes of the past. Champions, baby. Sunday night football, the the, the wide receivers, the ba, 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 da, 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 da. you got the Olympics theme, you got that one. It's a pretty, I mean, for a guy like John oh, and Williams, non-sports, he just Star Wars and Indiana oh, yeah, Jones no, and just, Jaws, <laughs> just countless movie theme songs. Pretty much are, every Spielberg yeah, movie yeah, they're yeah. ingrained into our brains over the decades. It's pretty pretty incredible. It's Pretty and he and he recently announced too. He all of what, like ninety one years old or whatever said that he was going to step out of retirement <laughs> and uh, possibly go into other uh, if another project came a calling, which you know someone's going to call. Like, oh, John Williams, of course somebody's going to call the guy. Steven Spielberg's like, hey, uh, I, I got a movie. I, I need a theme, you know. You know, you know. I need some help here, John. There was a years ago. There was a behind the scenes like recap documentary, or whatever, about the making of Jaws. And when John Williams first played that classic Jaws theme for Steven Spielberg, he did it on the piano, which sounds a lot different. Yeah, than than it does a full orchestra, orchestra. Yeah, and and Spielberg, who was already going through the worst like production hell with Jaws, the shark never worked. Everything, he goes into John Williams' office, and John Williams got this big grin on his face, like, "Here's what I here's what I got here's for you, Steve. Got. Here's what I got for you, Steven." And plays the theme, and Steven Spielberg is like, "You've got to be kidding me." That's what that's what you came that's up it. with. That's two it. notes. <laughs> ding, that's ding, it. Ding, ding. <laughs> And then, of course, you hear it with a full orchestra. You're like, oh. Oh. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> okay. All right, All right 737. Uh, if you get some thoughts on the national championship game last night, Abs with a big uh, shootout win over the, the Boston Bruins. Great bounce back after uh, the 8-4 to debacle that happened on Saturday against the Panthers. Reach out to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. Other side of the break, Wyatt Thompson, our college football insider, joins us next on the Jim Davis Show. You're listening to the Jim Davis Show on the team, 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 
talking college football with the team's insider, Wyatt Thompson, on the Jim Davis Show. With us on the team line this morning, he's the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. He's our college football insider, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, good morning, my friend. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. I good. guess uh, immediate reaction to Michigan winning last night. What my I guess very quickly, my thought was, I I was hoping Washington would win just because of everything that's gone on with Michigan. I'm just kind of tired of Michigan, but I picked Michigan because their defense, their running game. I, I didn't think there would be a way, unless Michael Penix Jr. had just you know, you know out of his mind kind of game, uh, leave, leave his body kind of experience. I I didn't think right. it was going to happen. And and even when they got it into one score a couple of times, I just felt like Michigan's going to win this game. They're just they're just the better team in those two areas that I referenced. What was your your takeaway from last night? Well, I think you said it perfectly there towards the end. Uh, the better team, and what I mean by that is, uh, my partner Stan Weber and I were talking about this last night and again this morning. That when you look at all of the teams in college football, you're going to see a flaw or two uh, across the board. I don't know that we saw any with Michigan. They have a good quarterback, not a great one, but a good one. They have good running backs all the way down the line, right? Offense, defense, special teams. They just don't make very many mistakes, Jim. And that's that and, and couple that with the fact that uh, the line of scrimmage was owned by Michigan. And, and there you go. Simple as that, really. Yeah. And they, they forced a couple of turnovers uh, by Michael Penix Jr., a couple of, uh, of interceptions. And it just felt like with that, that ground game where you mentioned J.J. McCarthy, Really good season, you know, outstanding season, but they didn't have to lean on him because they had Edwards right. had the two long touchdown runs. Coram was the offensive MVP with those two fourth quarter touchdowns to really kind of seal the game. He just felt like there, it was all in Michael Penix Jr. to go out and play extremely well. If, if Washington was going to win, it was going to be him on his, on that left arm, carrying them to a victory where he felt like there was so much balance with with Michigan and what they could do and that defense is so good that that there was not a necessity for one guy to have it all on him where that was that did feel like that was the case with Washington I couldn't agree more with that because if if you go back and and watch again I think what you're going to see is a guy who is really really gifted and up to that point in time before the start of the game last night had time more times than not all season long and he hurt everybody but last night he was beat up uh he was knocked around um he was a couple of times inaccurate and under pressure um uh, he just had pressure in his face all night long and and to me that's that's what this is and then you couple that with the fact that michigan was very very good i mean they had they rushed for more offensive yards in the first half and washington gave it up in a game all year long so that that's pretty telling on those two things yeah, I just did yeah, 303 yards on the ground last night. That's crazy good. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you're that's you're a not, national championship game, man. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. And yeah, and and that's how good Michigan is. So now we get to the point where the legacy of of this team winning a national championship where it gets more yeah. murky, a little more complicated because of the Connor Stallions, the the sign stealing allegations, Jim Harbaugh being suspended twice, once for some off-season infractions with recruiting, illegal you know, contact with players, and then the, the sign-stealing allegations where he missed, what, six games uh, being suspended. I, I'm First off, I don't think they need an asterisk. I think that's ridiculous. It's, uh, I made the comparison to the Astros and the sign-stealing scandal. 
they're so good. They didn't really need to do it. They really right. didn't. And and they get other teams have done it. And there's been, you know, Ohio State people say, hey, what about our state? They did kind of similar things. I, I just think it's unfortunate because they were so good they didn't need to do that. I'm in 100% agreement with that, and I, I saw a tweet a little while ago, and I, I say this to you every week. I'm not a real big Twitter guy, but it was something to the effect of, um, isn't it fitting that uh, Michigan wins a national title uh, under these circumstances in Houston? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is that is ironic. Yeah, it's, I hadn't thought of it. That's true. Yeah, and, and here's here's what I would tell you. This is just one guy's opinion and one guy's opinion only, but you know what? I am of the belief that if you're competitive, you are, it depends on how you go about it, but everybody's trying to steal signs. I'm much more into penalize them for, for illegal recruiting, uh, which seems to be off the table now too, but that's a, a story for another day probably. But, but hey, all of these people that are on sidelines are looking at, at that stuff and that's just, a, that's just what it is. So I'm, I'm like you. That there, there's no need for an asterisk there, uh, from my perspective. Wyatt Thompson, voice can't stake Wildcats, our college football insider, joining us today. Looking at last night's uh, national championship game, a player that maybe surprised you, either good or bad, from last night's game. Who might that be? <laughs> well, if I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I, I what stood out to me in the game, really on both sides, even in defeat is how good the tight ends were. And I am of the belief, being connected with the program that I am, that um, that is going to continue to be something that's moving into the forefront in these offenses in college football. I think that we kind of got away from the fullback, but not the tight end. The, the, the tight end is making a comeback. I, I thought both of those guys were really good. And the Michigan, uh, to be specific in answering your question or trying to, I didn't realize the Michigan kid was from Idaho and was that good. I thought he was great. Did yeah, you? The, Lo- the Loveland kid, yeah, he was really Yeah, he, he was really he's good. unbelievably good. Yeah, long, strong. <laughs> Those guys are such hard matchups with that type of body frame, if you want to say it that way, and their ability to run, as opposed to, you know, a, a, a Mike Will or Sam linebacker. It, it's just such a mismatch, and that's everybody's figuring it out. Wyatt Thompson, our college football insider, joining us, and and Wyatt, we look to twenty twenty five. Yeah, who's you? Who is the team that you go? I or or a couple of teams you go. Those two teams have to be front runners to to play for the national championship uh, next year. Well, I think you always have to probably look at at Alabama and Georgia first, don't you? Just as long as those two guys are around. Um, and, and I'm anxious to see what, what does happen with Harbaugh. I don't know how you feel on whether he will be back or he won't, uh, but it's going to be significant either way, I think. And if he does go to the pros, uh, the, the, the movement surrounding that could really have a pretty interesting effect, don't you think? Because Michigan, I mean, what are the chances of Michigan bumping up an assistant? Is it 30%? Is it 80%? I, I don't really have a big feel for that. But if they go outside, so to speak, and then so you got this guy taking Michigan and then you have to fill that spot and th- there's just a ripple effect. Um, so that's where I would probably start. Um, but I'm without giving it a ton of thought, I, 
I, I would say there really isn't anybody else that just flashes up in front of my eyes and says, look out, I think they're on their way. Am I missing anybody? No, I, I think George, someone? Yeah, George and Alabama, because you got two quarterbacks, it'll, yeah. it'll be back, and Milrow got yeah. better as the season went along. Beck, I thought, was really good for Georgia, and I think if there's still mm-hmm. one team that can go, we got jobbed this year, it's Georgia when it comes to the Without playoffs. Without a doubt. You know, Ohio State has to replace McCord. We saw in the bowl game. That's not going to be easy uh, for Ohio State. Michigan, they're the it's it's Georgia and Alabama, Ohio State, but then Michigan's fourth as far as the odds go. People are just uh, keeping yeah. track of that kind of thing for twenty twenty five. I guess Washington last night, uh, uh, White got a little little taste of what the future looks like since these two teams will now be opponents in the Big Ten starting next season. Yeah, and just, you know what, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, so much has changed in, in college athletics. And it's just so odd to think that Washington is going to be in the Big Ten. Yeah, It's as ridiculous as, as Rutgers being in the Big Ten or West Virginia being in the Big 12 and Missouri not. And so, I mean, it's just, but it is what it is, right? I mean, the, the collapse of the Pac-12 that should have never happened, ever, 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 ever. But we're in a different time now, and I, I just think as much as it's changed in the last 10 to 15 years, buckle your seatbelt, sir, because we're not even scratching the surface yet, I don't think. Uh, and I'm, I'm throwing, you know, transfer portal and those types of things in there. Um, name, image like this, somewhere, some way, um, I, I just think there needs to be, you know, maybe some reins pulled back on the horse just a little bit here. But I don't know that, you know, in my time, it's ever going to happen, frankly. What do you think will be the next big, you know, seismic shift in, in college football when it comes to conferences? Honestly, I think what uh, I would say is, is I think you're going to continue to see growth in these leagues because of greed and uh, these three or four leagues will get bigger um, and everybody else will get smaller. I think that's what a lot of people want. And when I say people, I'm talking about, you know, conference commissioners, television people, uh, and, and the, you know, initially, and I'm not saying I'm against it now, but initially I was so excited about the 12 team playoff just because I think it will help college football. But I think there will be controversy in it too, because of the power of the, of the SEC and the Big Ten and television and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I just think there's going to be controversy going forward. I don't know how you avoid it. Do you? Uh, I, I just don't. I, I, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think on the, on the near, you know, on the horizon, you know, you know, very, you know, short distance down the road here, what's going to happen with, with the Pac-2? What, what, right. that, what, what, how does that end up getting resolved? Because they'll have two years to, to try to rebuild the Pac-12 into something. Could that be right. the, the merger with the Mountain West? We'll, we'll have to see what sure. happens. They've got a couple of years to, to sort that out, and that's going to have an impact on, on things. Uh, so I, I just, yeah, I feel like it's, um, you're right, it's, we're, we're not done yet. There's something else yeah. that's going to happen in, in the near future that's going to, to change things. Let me jump in there and add something here, because I, I think you touched on something that could be realistic moving forward, and that is, you know, with those, the Pac-2, so to speak, of, of playing all of the other sports in the West Coast Conference. I, I think what we're looking at here is this really is all about men's basketball and football at the end of the day. Maybe you could throw women's basketball in there to a degree. 
But that model may be something that people will look at, and we go back in every other sport to to some normalcy and some regionality. You think that's a possibility? Yeah, I, I, I would hope so. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I, I just so. don't know that you want to be, if you're at the University of Washington, I don't think you really want to be playing a volleyball match on a Wednesday night in Piscataway, New Jersey, <laughs> and playing back. I, I just think that's the dumbest thing ever. I, it's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's crippling yeah. to the other sports. That, that aren't, like you said, aren't it's football. It's a perfect way to say it. Yeah, aren't yeah. football, you know, men's basketball and, and like you said, in some cases, women's basketball. Hey, I do want to mm-hmm. mention something. Uh, of course, we had Max Marsh that played at Central High School here locally. Yeah. There was a, a Wildcat. <laughs> but also we got a, another former local player, uh, Keen Bessert. His dad, Bob, played line at, at Kansas State back in the day. Keen was at mm-hmm. Wisconsin, but he's now transferring to be a long snapper at uh, Kansas State. So we got a little, I, little local tie in there. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, that. That's a really cool thing. Um I, I, you know what? We just ended the college football season last night, but I can't wait for the fall. I mean, I love basketball too. Don't misunderstand, but man, there's just something special about college football. And I'm, I, I think, I think we're going to have a good football team. And I, you know, we're going to play Colorado again in Boulder next year. Why wouldn't you be excited about stuff like that, right? No, absolutely. Even with all the other turmoil <laughs> and stuff, it's going. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the twelve team playoffs going to be fun. I I think there are some things, like you said, there are some conference changes mm-hmm. that I think are fun and positive and, and one of those is Colorado being back in the Big 12 so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm with you my friend I'm looking forward to as much as uh, we both enjoy the college basketball season looking forward to what football brings us in the fall hey Wyatt always appreciate it and uh, next week we'll start really you know sinking our teeth into the college basketball season always appreciate the time yes sir partner good talking to you bud likewise take care Wyatt Thompson voice can't say Wildcats our college football insider forgot to mention this uh wyatt thompson from west virginia today getting ready for a, for a game tonight oh that's right i didn't realize that's right i forgot he's in west virginia well it's always appreciate why it's so Wyatt, mark and brian these guys are always so accommodating if they're on the road i know they're like hey we'll we'll still come on it's it's great i love so, that we, we we get to do that still yeah we're uh we're very lucky that those those gentlemen uh grace us uh with uh, their knowledge uh, on the program every week all right, uh, coming up next hour, uh, speaking of gracing us with knowledge, we'll talk with our Broncos insider Cody Rourke, kind of put finishing touches on uh, the Broncos campaign, what uh, what lies ahead for next football season. Also, your chance to win with uh, Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema next hour.